0: You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. In this week's lesson, Prayer and Fire, Philip Edwards helps us to discover how the Holy Spirit wants to aid us in our prayers and the implications of being baptised with fire. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk to sign up for the latest modules and to see the other ministries we have to offer and now over to Philip Edwards.
1: Last week then, just as a a recap, uh, we looked at the personality and saw how that was different from the person of the Holy Spirit. We said to some extent there was a difficulty in defining the Holy Spirit because he is much bigger than we can ever explain him to be. He sometimes appears to do strange things or work in a mysterious way and so we can't accurately define him and just nail him down. His work is twofold, we said, uh, internally to strengthen the soul of a man or woman and externally to anoint us for service this week we shall look at two further ministries of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. The first is he has come to help us in our prayer and secondly he's come to baptize us with fire. So it's those two topics I want to look at tonight. So the first is he's come to help us in our prayers, in our prayer life. First I want to read to you just three verses first is Jude 20. There's only one chapter in Jude, so it's just Jude verse 20. It says this, but you dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the spirit. Then Ephesians 6 and 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. And these two verses are probably most the significant, most significant verses there are related to prayer in the New Testament. I think this, this whole passage about prayer in Romans 8 is quite vital to understanding about prayer, but these two verses are very, really very significant. It says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts, he knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. Prayer, then, is sort of an interaction between man and God. Inside of man is the Spirit And between God the Father and the Spirit, there is an interaction that goes on. So God listens to the Spirit within us, and the Spirit is the one who should be praying through us uh, or, or from the inside of us. Paul is saying, interesting here, he said, when we pray, we never know what to pray for. Have you ever seen that before? It says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And I used to put the word here, when we do not know what to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. But it doesn't say that. It says we do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we ought to pray for. So that is saying to you straight off, listen, if you're going to ever pray, stop. Stop and listen to what the Spirit wants to pray through you. So you say, well, if we never know what to pray for, I'll give up before we start. No, because the Holy Spirit is there to help you in your prayer. He's always there. He has to be engaged every time that you pray. He's engaged every time you read the word of God. If you don't read the word of God with the Holy Spirit's help, you're not going to understand a word of it. If you witness without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're never going to connect well at all with anyone. So we need this person of the Holy Spirit all the time. Paul says there, in our weaknesses, now, I can understand that I'm weak, and I might even understand that you're weak. Sorry about that. But but Paul? How can Paul be weak? I mean, Paul was responsible for, well, a great part of writing the New Testament. It was Paul who, on his missionary trips, took the gospel to the known world at that time. How is it that Paul would describe himself as weak along with us? Well, he does. So if he's weak and he needs the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? I would suggest it's impossible to know what to pray for two reasons. The first is, we can't foresee the future. If we don't know what the future holds, how can we pray with any understanding, with any knowledge? Often we're praying for things that will ultimately do us harm or we're praying for things to be saved from and all along God wants to put us into those situations so we obviously we can easily pray the wrong thing we pray things that will bless us because we think that's best or we pray to evade things that we think will hurt us and all the time God is working in the opposite direction from us we don't know what's good for us in a given situation there's no way we can know what's good for us we're often in a position of a child asking for things that will harm us and God unfortunately is often in a position like a parent saying no you can't have that No, you can't have that. Why? Because I've got something better for you. I have to take you through this course or this path. So in the end, that's the best thing for you. So we don't know what to pray for. That's the truth. But we do have the Holy Spirit who is there to help us in our prayers. How then should we pray? Well, like that verse says, it tells us to pray in the Spirit. Why pray in the Spirit? Well, we pray in the Spirit because the Spirit helps us. What is is praying in the Spirit? I want you to consider for a minute praying like this or thinking about prayer in this way. In prayer, what you're doing is you're bringing your body, you're presenting yourself before God. You're presenting yourself as one who will pray and pray to God so the first thing you do in prayer is turn up you make yourself available for prayer we make our thoughts we make our emotions our mind our voice and everything available to the Holy Spirit who lives within to pray through us we're then in partnership with the Holy Spirit Engaging in a dialogue with God Almighty. Just think about presenting yourself and the Holy Spirit then praying through you. So I'm suggesting that you don't pray at all. You only present your body, your emotions, your tongue, your mind. You present it before God with a view of the Holy Spirit himself praying through you. In our natural selves, I know what we'll do. We do it all the time. We pray out of our feelings or we pray out of our understanding. Well, praying out of your feelings isn't a good thing because I said you'll always evade uh, things that are uncomfortable and you'll always want to grasp hold of things that are nice. And praying out of your understanding is very limiting When the Holy Spirit is present in you and he's prepared to pray through you, why on earth would you bother? You must pray with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Now, praying out of your feelings and your understandings is not good enough. We must pray above this. He wants to pray, the Holy Spirit wants to pray through us, the will of God. He wants every one of your prayers to be prayed in line with the will of God. Now, already you might be thinking, oh, I think I'm going to start praying less. Well, better to pray less and always pray in the will of God than to pray a lot when most of it isn't in the will of God. Because John clearly tells us that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he grants what we're praying for. But if we're not praying in the will of God, I must assume from that verse, he doesn't even hear us. So it might be to our advantage just to pray less, not more. It's not about quantity, it's about the quality of our prayer. Think about it like this. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is to conduct a prayer meeting inside the temple of which you are. He wants to pray. It's the Holy Spirit who wants to pray. Now, you have your needs, so in partnership with the Holy Spirit, you let the Holy Spirit pray through you to God. God knows the mind of the Spirit, and the Spirit knows the mind of God, and between the two of them, they will pray in perfect harmony. We yield our members, the Word of God says, as instruments to God, we give ourselves as instruments to God, so the Holy Spirit then controls and supernaturally prays through us. It says in Ephesians 6 and 18, "And praying in the spirit on all occasions, always keep on praying, it says. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5:17 and 19, it says, "Pray continually." Do not put out the Spirit's fire. So you see, sometimes when we pray amiss, what we're doing, we're dampening down the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are stopping the Holy Spirit. We're putting out the Spirit's fire by ourselves praying and not allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us. Now pray on every occasion and pray all the time. That's a that's a tall order. I don't think we can do that. Um, but what we have to do is when we do pray, we pray with the Holy Spirit. We allow him to pray through us. Then everything that needs to be prayed for is covered in prayer, because we're listening to the Spirit within. Sometimes you say, well, how can i cover everything that the spirit wants to pray for well one of the ways that we can do that is simply to pray in tongues as we spend time praying in the holy spirit praying in other tongues we're saying to the holy spirit holy spirit use me and pray to god through me you do the praying i'll simply give voice to it i'll speak it out but you pray through me now you might say but you don't know what you've prayed for Does it matter? The thing is, you've prayed for what the Holy Spirit has wanted you to pray for. So you allow the Holy Spirit then to pray through you in every situation that you possibly can. That way, praying then becomes a delight, it's not a burden. It's not to think oh I've forgotten so and so or I wonder if God wanted me to pray like that or should I have prayed for this or should I have prayed more or did I pray enough? No no we allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us the mind and the will and the purposes of God. What is prayer? Prayer is mere mortals like us speaking to Almighty God isn't it? Isn't it funny when you think about it? It's like an ant talking to you. You don't get far with that. So the ant needs something. It needs. The ant with the power of the Holy Spirit on him could definitely talk to you. That's sort of an illustration of what it is. So, us mere mortals, we can't talk to God. It's impossible. We need the Holy Spirit within us to energize us, to empower us, to get us onto the right wavelength, to to think the things that God wants us to think, and to pray to him. Now, with his assistance, prayer takes on a new dimension. See, what I hear people doing when they pray is they just keep talking to God all the time. Well, you say, isn't that what it's about, Philip? Just Praying to God, just talking to God. No, no, we're told to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. So what does praying in the Spirit look like? What does it sound like? How is praying in the Spirit different from praying with our own understanding? Well, I've already mentioned that one thing we can do to pray in the Spirit is pray in other tongues. Now, every believer can receive their baptism in the Holy Spirit and receive a prayer tongue from the Lord. It's it's not a gift of tongues. When, when we come to receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes into us, he wants to pray and speak through us. Every believer has the ability to pray in the Holy Spirit if they have received the Holy Spirit in its fullness. So we speak in tongues. I find that if I pray in tongues... Sometimes it's almost through the cracks of my words, the Holy Spirit just reveals things to me. So in praying in tongues, I just get ideas, and so I might pray them with my understanding. It just somehow filters through into my my consciousness, as it were, so I can pray then with my understanding. They're like small interjections that come from God. We receive, when we pray in the Spirit, pictures from the Lord. So when you pray, expect to see something in your spirit. Expect the Holy Spirit to show you things in your mind to assist you in your prayers. We can speak verses of Scripture. Sometimes when you're praying, a verse of Scripture comes to your memory. You must stop and pray out that verse just just speak it out, look it up if you need to, because it isn't, see, I'm trying to get you from, to stop you praying, I want the Holy Spirit to pray through you, I think God wants us to shut up sometimes, and stop praying, and let the Holy Spirit pray through us, and so we must allow him to do that, so sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to just speak out a verse of scripture to the Lord, and it all gets done, the thing that you're praying for, Sometimes you get an injection of faith when you're praying about something and you just feel it. You just know that God is responding to what you're saying and so you can pray it again with more force and, and more verve as it were. You can get an impression sometimes when you're praying if it's spiritual warfare to bind the enemy, to take authority over the powers of darkness, to to take authority over what the demonic is doing in your life, in somebody else's life that you're praying for, just asking God all the time to do something is not the best way to pray. The Word of God says we are to submit to God, but then straight away it says we are to resist the devil. So there's a place for requesting something of God, but then there's a place for standing and resisting what the enemy is doing most Christians are afraid to hear themselves resist the devil. They simply just like to hear themselves requesting things of God when God has said, no, no, you must resist him. So as you're praying in the spirit, you might get an impression to do that. You might be given a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge when you're praying. And so you can pray that out. You pray a solution out before the Lord. There are all sorts of postures in prayer. you might think that um, uh, you know on your on your knees is a good posture, or lying down face down, the Holy Spirit can guide you in different ways to lift your hands in praise when you 're praying. You might want to groan or cry or sigh. We have to be more open to the spirit 's leading because a cry can be the the way that God wants us to pray. I know several times I've been in a situation and I've just wept and wept and I thought how embarrassing to to cry like this but I knew in my spirit that's what God wanted me to do. Of course, it's embarrassing in a room full of people and then people say, oh, never mind, it's all right. And you go, yeah, I know it's all right. Don't worry about that. So we need to relax a little bit and allow the Spirit's freedom within ourselves, within our bodies. We might be impressed to fast when we pray. God just whispers, just fast on this one a little bit. We might find ourselves speaking in tongues and then interpret the very tongue that we've, we've prayed in. That's a possibility. We might discern the demonic in our prayers. And so that takes us off in a direction that we're not simply asking God to do something, but we're resisting the evil one. We might experience an open vision an open vision is just having a vision when you're fully awake and you see something. You just, a whole scene unfolds in front of you as you're praying. You might experience that night after you've prayed that God gives you a dream. You might fall into a trance. We know that Peter did that, didn't he? When he went up on the, on the rooftop to pray, he said he fell into a trance and he received a vision from the Lord. So all the things that I'm suggesting to you, they're all there in Scripture. We could have gone for chapter and verse every time. I'll do a little bit more of that as I move on to this next section. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to present your bodies, know that the Spirit is living within you, and allow the Spirit, the free course within you, to pray and to intercede in the way that He wants to you might think it looks embarrassing or awkward but we're not worried about that we're making ourselves available so we can pray on behalf of others so we can get the job done okay some simple suggestions now and these will be based on scripture to help you pray in the holy spirit the first one is when you're praying don't limit yourself only to praying with your understanding already sort of mentioned this, as a verse for it, 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. It says this, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, I will pray with my mind, but I will also pray with my spirit. No, no. He takes what's first first. He says, I'll first pray with my spirit as though that's the thing we do all the time that's the way we pray we pray with our spirit and now and again we might pray with our mind but if you've got a choice then you might as well pray with the spirit don't bother with the mind because the spirit will get it right but God's involving us in the whole thing of praying with our our understanding as well the second suggestion is you quiet yourself in prayer we must listen in prayer. However much time you dedicate to prayer, five minutes, ten minutes, maybe half an hour, you must spend at least, at least 50% of that time listening to God. It's like you've turned up and just just shouted that in for five minutes and got off again. It's like if someone treated you like that all the time, you'd go, we got to avoid that person because they're not even listening they don't even care what i've got to say they're not not interested now i'm interested in what god's got to say of course we talk to him and we allow the spirit to talk through us but we must give time for god to give us visions or pictures or revelation or understanding otherwise we just we just go nowhere the third suggestion is don't limit the holy spirit let him show you new things. In Acts 10, 9 and 10, uh, is what the, the reference I, I gave to just a little bit before about Peter going onto the roof. See, when Peter goes to the house, he has no intention to preach the gospel to the Gentiles at all. He's not going to do that because he thinks the gospel is only for the Jews. When he goes up on the roof to pray, he falls into a trance and the Holy Spirit shows him quite clearly that what God has cleaned he mustn't call unclean and he realizes from the trance, the dream, the vision that he's given that he is to share the gospel with the Gentiles. And of course the the, the, the Gentile people come to take him to the house of Cornelius. He's still a bit nervous about the whole affair but he goes along with it. See God has changed his mind. He has shown him new things. Are you open for new things? Are you open for new things? Or have you got everything battened down so you know exactly how this Christian thing works? I tell you, we know nothing. We know nothing. Paul says, help me in my weakness because I don't know what to praise. So if Paul can say it, we can all say it. That's for absolute certain. When you believe God has spoken speak it out in faith declare it be bold in your declaration it says in mark 11 and 23 he says i tell you the truth that means you're not going to believe what i'm going to say it says take special notice i tell you the truth if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea so when you finish praying do you get up from your knees and do you declare it If the Spirit of God has confirmed something in your heart, do you declare it? Do you speak it out? Do you speak out against the enemy? Or do you just go away thinking God will sort it all out? Your declaration could be the whole difference between the prayer being answered and not being answered. We pray in the Spirit. Don't in your prayer be afraid to ask God questions. God loves to answer our questions. He sends the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. I tell you, a teacher loves to answer questions. If you ever ask me a question, I tell you, I'm only too delighted to tell you what I think. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He wants to explain things to us. He loves to do that. He loves the inquiring heart. What should I do? Where should I go? What's the next step, Lord? Help me with this, Lord. He wants those questions. Don't expect the rational. God's ways are higher than our ways. He lives in heaven and we live on earth. So, how would he ever think like we think or deal with things the way that we deal with them? Remember Solomon in the story of Solomon, that the two ladies come with the one baby, both claiming that it's ours and the other has died. Remember that story? So, Solomon gets some wisdom from God. His way of sorting it out is to get a sword, split the baby in half and give him half each. That sounds brilliant. You say, well, it doesn't sound brilliant to us. It sounds terrible. But to God, it's a brilliant answer. And so when he decides to do this, the whole problem is solved. God never intended to cut any babies in half. Don't get me wrong, man. You know that. But the wisdom of God far excels our wisdom. So don't just be rational in your prayers. Allow God to to show you different things. The next thing I'd say, number seven, is get out of your own way. Try not to pray the answer you want. So often I hear people praying the answer. What are you doing? You can't ask God to help you and then tell him what to do. No, no, Let God decide what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it. Just bring your petitions with thanksgiving to God, it says. Don't suggest the answer. So many prayers that I hear is the answer. And God is the one with the answer, not us. We're the one with the petition that we bring to him. So, and when you've prayed, let God work it out. Let him work through things. It says in Matthew 6 and 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray pray to your Father, who is unseen, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Just pray and leave it with God. If God doesn't say anything or direct you, You simply allow God to work it out. You walk through the answer. You have an expectation, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to work this out. You are going to cause me to walk into the answer. The eighth thing I've suggested is listen to the whispers that come to you. In John uh, 2 and 5, it said about this is Jesus when he was turning the water into wine his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. She was being used of God to instruct the servants. Now I found that quite often someone will come and give me a book and they say, Philip, I think you ought to read this. Usually it's to straighten out my theology because they think it's a bit wonky. Anyway, they give me the book, but in it, you would be foolish to just cast it aside because perhaps God wants to speak from it. Maybe just speak from a chapter or speak even from the title of a chapter. So be open to the whisperers coming and talking to you. Maybe God speaks to you from a billboard as you're driving down the street or from a film on the television or in the cinema. God can speak through many channels, but it's being open and allowing the Holy Spirit to take what is said in words and interpret them into our spirit. Take action with the intuitive thoughts that the Holy Spirit gives you. He might tell you to call a friend or send money to somebody or to take a different route or not to go now or quickly go now. We need to develop the ability to hear and live with the Holy Spirit within us on a continual basis. He is the one who's been sent To help us. Number 10, learn the value of procrastination. I'm I'm telling you two things at once. In one breath, I'm saying speed it up and get a move on, and the other one, I'm saying slow down and don't rush, because that's the Holy Spirit. See, if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you don't know whether you're to hurry or slow down. You have to listen remember when Paul, uh, he was walking around and there was this woman who was, she had these problems with evil spirits foretelling the future and she was going behind Paul and his friends and she was shouting out, these are servants of the most high God, listen to them. It says, she kept this up for many days. You think, Paul, what's wrong with you? It's obviously, it's a spirit that's at work in here. Why didn't you stop and deal her? He didn't. He let her carry on for days doing this. Eventually, as the spirit directs him, he takes action and he deals with the woman. And of course, we know all the ensuing trouble it got him into. See, God wanted to get him into trouble. God wanted this to happen. And of course, once he's in prison and all the other things, wonderful things happen. So don't ever act out of fear or an impulse or of anger or any other negative emotion. Try to suppress the negative emotions and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you. Learn to go with the flow. Uh, remember what that going back to that story of Peter. So Peter goes to the house of Cornelius and I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, I've never done this before. I've never gone into the house of a Gentile. I feel right out of my depth here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. But then he finds himself preaching to these people. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They all speak in other tongues. And he says, they've received what we received. Therefore, God must have accepted the Gentiles just as they've accepted us. That was the first time the gospel was ever preached to the Gentiles and the Gentiles received it. Don't analyze what God is saying. Act on an inner trust. Trust him. It might seem a weird thing that he's telling you to do, but trust him. Remember when uh, the, the, uh, the, the collector of the taxes came to Peter's house and said, you owe us four drachmas, two for him and two for you and and g and peter tells jesus the situation he says just go down and do a bit of fishing and you'll find the money in the fish's mouth see that's 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 just not rational stuff that's the work of the spirit though and so we need to be attentive to what he's saying all the time listen obey and be surprised at what he's doing think big in ephesians 3 and 20 it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. Think big. Don't think small. Think big. Think big about what God wants to do. Allow the Holy Spirit to let you know. Don't let your imagination run away with you and and, and boast about what you're going to do. But when the Holy Spirit suggests something bigger, believe it. Speak it out. Allow him to expand what you can believe for. Be flexible. It says that in Acts 16 and 7. This is uh, Paul and some other missionary friends with him. It says when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do that. So you're doing things that you think are right, but sometimes the Spirit of God says, no, we won't do that, we're going to do this. Well, just be flexible. Just don't get worked up that you can't work out what you want to work out, but be flexible, just be open to the Spirit all the time. The fifth suggestion is you practice. Practice you practice and you practice and you practice. It's so easy to fall back into the natural, to do the natural all the time, to pray like we always pray, to think like we always think don't. The Holy Spirit is exciting. He's vibrant. He's different. He wants to bring a power dimension into it. But if we restrict him by just not allowing the freedom that he wants or exercising the way that he works, we just stay with the same old, same old in the natural way. So my encouragement is to learn to walk in the spirit and learn to pray in the spirit. Okay. That was it. We're going to move on now to our second one. Sorry we just carry you right through into this one. Um, I'm going to talk about what it means to be baptised with fire. Have you ever heard that expression? Perhaps you thought that being baptised with fire was being baptised in the Holy Spirit. I don't think it is. Uh, See, John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to undo your shoes, remember, uh, to use shoes. But he said, there is one who is coming after me and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he makes out possibly there are two things there. Now, I'm not going to get in any big fuss and argument about that, but my own experience and what I see from Scripture, I think there are two baptisms here. See, I've seen lots of people baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they, didn't, they definitely didn't have a baptism of fire. Because a baptism of fire is a far more powerful thing than the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I have prayed for many people to receive the Holy Spirit, and they have, and that was their baptism, and they spoke in other tongues. But it definitely wasn't a baptism of fire, because when you have a baptism of fire, you're never the same again you are confronted with the very glory of God himself. So let's launch into this and see how I get to that conclusion. The Holy Spirit comes to reveal God to us. We looked at this last week. That's part of his function, to, re- to reveal the Father and the Son to us. He never makes himself visible, but he makes the Father and the Son visible to us. To see God is impossible we cannot see God God fills the whole universe we can't bring God into a place where we could just look at him it's not possible he's too big for that so if we say we've seen God what did those Old Testament Saints when they said they saw God what they saw I believe was the glory of God his glory Time and a time, again, this is illustrated for us in Scripture. I'll take you through to a few now. In Exodus 24, this is 15 to 17, it says, When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it. It covered Moses and the mountain. And the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud to the israelites the glory of the lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain so the glory of the lord is like a fire a consuming fire as they looked up the mountain the glory of the lord covered the mountain but in the midst of it they saw this fire and they said look that's god he's the fire in the tabernacle the shine the Shekinah glory was a ball of fire that sat above the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. It was the presence of God. It, it signified or was symbolic of God's presence, the fire. Remember when Moses saw the burning bush? He, he was told to take his shoes off. Why? Because he was approaching God. Now, God manifested himself as fire. And so he drew himself back and did what God said, so he recognized that God was fire in leviticus nine twenty three and twenty four it says this: Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the people. Fire came out of the presence of the Lord, so it's it's as though they knew that God was there, whether it was a cloud, but from that cloud came fire, and it consumed the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. Well, it must have terrified them. We go on to read, and when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy, and they fell face down. Isn't that funny? It's like, it's funny. One minute they're excited because they've seen the Lord, but they're terrified at the same time that they fall flat on their faces in front of God. Excitement and the fear of the Lord in the same breath as it were. Now, just a couple of verses from the New Testament in Luke 3 and 16. It's that one we made reference to. John answered them all, I will baptize you with water But one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I interpret that as two separate things. Now, it can happen on the same event, but not necessarily. There could be time between the events. In Acts 2 and verses 1 to 4, This is an example of where it it came together at the same event, but it was two definite things that happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, So what i'm suggesting what came into their room that day on the day of pentecost was the very glory of god see manifesting itself in fire again it when it says it it rested above them and you see little pictures of a little flame at the top i don't see that i see the whole room above them just full of fire it appeared to be fire it wasn't it was the glory of god and it manifested itself like fire above them they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them it says it then goes on to say all were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them so they're first they see the glory of god come and they're like baptized in fire and then they're baptized by the holy spirit coming into them and filling them I'm pretty sure that the men and women that went into the room were not the same men and women that came out of the room. Not for one, one moment. In fact, we know they went into the room frightened. They went into the room worried about what was going to happen to them. They came out courageous, bold, anointed, because something dynamic happened to them when they were baptized in the holy spirit yes and especially when they were baptized in the glory they comprehended in that baptism of fire something of the nature of god we will never understand the nature of god until we see the glory of god we must see his glory he must appear to us in glory To see his glory is what God has planned for each one of us. He, Yes, he planned your salvation. He planned that you would be baptized in water. He planned that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, without a doubt. But he also planned that you would see the glory of God. Because it is seeing the glory of God that changes everything, that makes a vast difference. Being touched by the consuming fire of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, and we, that's all of us, who with unveiled faces, we all reflect the Lord's glory, and being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I think we've mentioned this before in the teaching it's reference to Moses when he went up the cloud as we've already looked and the glory of the Lord came upon him as we've already read there today and then as he comes down the mountain he puts a veil over his face because the people are so terrified to to go and talk to him with the glory of the Lord reflected on his face he he hid his face so they would come and then talk to him. And then in Hebrews it says the glory that was on him, it started to fade. It started to fade. So the important thing is that we, we bring ourselves into the presence of God and God manifests his glory to us. And we, who with unveiled faces, we all reflect the Lord's glory and being transformed into the likeness of God, You are being transformed into the likeness of god with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit so this glory that we would experience it is to grow and grow and grow in us becoming more and more evident and visible we cannot share we cannot share in the holiness of God unless we see the glory of God. We cannot share in the holiness of God unless we see the glory of God, unless we have an encounter with God, with God's glory ourselves. The most powerful testimony of the holiness of God and the impact it can have and a person is in the Old Testament, actually, and not the New Testament. It's found in Isaiah, and it's chapter 6. Remember when Isaiah uh, went into the temple? It says this. I'll read the verses to you, the eight verses of Isaiah 6. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. We have to see the Lord, you see. It's not enough to read about him. It's not enough to hear people say things about him. We have to see the Lord. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe, it filled the temple. Above him were seraphs with six wings, with two they covered their faces, with two they covered with their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy 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 is the lord god almighty the the whole earth is full of his glory notice the words fire and the glory Uh, we read these words again and again in this passage at the sound of their voices the door stops and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke well there's no smoke without fire that's for certain Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. He saw the Lord, he saw the glory of God, the glory of God filled that temple. The Lord Almighty said, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar with it he touched my mouth and said see this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for he was touched with the fire of god the fire of god touched this man's life we have to have the fire of god come and touch our lives that is what it is to be baptized with fire And then God goes, then, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. We know that passage only too well if we're Bible students. We've read it time and time again. It is a manifestation of the glory of God coming to a man and totally transforming the man's life. The coals taken, the fire touches the man and he is transformed. That man is never the same again. The man that went into the temple is not the man that came out of the temple. Those saints that went into the upper room were not the saints that came out of the upper room. When Moses stood in front of the burning bush and he moved away from it eventually, he was a different Moses, a completely different. He had a A time in front of God where God sorted him where God the glory of God was manifested to him Isaiah was touched by the fire of God I think he thought he was gonna die the tradition was that if you saw God you would die now that wasn't necessarily true that's what they all believed that if you saw God you would die because he said I'm ruined in in other words i'm done for my eyes have seen the king the lord almighty but the king want to manifest himself to him in his glory and god wants to manifest himself to us in his glory symbolically the burning coals burnt the dross from his life when you are baptized with fire all the dross is burnt from your life Remember how John goes on to describe it. He talks about a farmer with a pitchfork or a um, um, I've, the words I've lost the word for the minute uh, uh, where, where you, you you get the the grain you know with all the chaff on it, and you you throw it up in the air, and then all the chaff falls away, and what you're left with is just the corn that remains a willow, a win fork that's it i've got the word now sorry it just left me there for a minute holy spirit i need your help all the time please help me okay so he throws all this stuff up in the air and because all the dross falls and that's burnt up and what's left is the pure corn and so that's what john describes it as and that's what it is that hasn't happened in many christians of lives The dross has never been burnt up. The coal has never touched their lives. So all the stuff that needs to get burnt up gets burnt up in their lives. It was not the coal that cleansed his lips. It was the glory of God that cleansed his lips. In submitting yourself for service to god he's got to purify your life he's got to for you to witness for him properly for you to testify to him and who he is there must be a burning up in our lives of all the thing that would distort the image of god in our lives i think this is what is needed today in discipleship much of what people call having an experience with god and i I don't want to be critical of people well once you say things like that it sounds like you're going to be critical of people i understand that but but it's self-centered people's experience of god it sounds like god bless me with this and bless me with that and bless me with the other really An experience with God which would be touched by the fire of God would be far from a pleasant experience. Isaiah didn't enjoy being burnt on his lips and he didn't enjoy much thinking that he was going to die because he saw the presence of God. But it transformed him. And so what we have to do is go through experiences where we see the glory of God and we are transformed All my life I've spent hours and hours praying for people to change a little bit and often find they haven't changed at all. I didn't mind investing in people's lives and praying for people and I'm happy to do that and but really what people need is not more ministry but they need to be touched by the fire of God. They need to confront the very glory of God that would burn up everything in their lives that shouldn't be there those who touch the altar of god are consumed by the fire of god that which you put on the altar was completely consumed by god present your body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing unto god do you know what will happen if you present your body it will be consumed by the fire of god that all that's left of you is that which you would use to serve god with it is in the heart of god that we are radically changed the old life no longer carries the appeal and power that it once did when we see the glory of god our value system changes what then is a baptism of fire it is a face-to-face encounter with the reality and the holiness and the power of God you say I want it you can't start the process you can't God has to start the process see everything comes from God now if I've whetted your appetite And you say yeah i feel i want this i'm sort of being persuaded that i want what phil's talking about god knows your heart but he is the one that starts the process he reads your heart but everything starts with god it never starts with man it always starts with god and if if for some reason you have a divine dissatisfaction, you're not happy with your Christian life, you're not happy where you are, that's often instigated by God, so you would come to God and say, God, I don't like this, I'm fed up with this, I don't want this roaming round and round, church, more church, more meetings, more church, more meetings, more this, I don't want this, God, I want, I want, I want you and I want the real thing, I want to be, I want all that's in me that shouldn't be there to get burnt up, so I'm just on fire, God, for you. Romans 3.11, this is a scary old verse, it says, there is no one righteous, no, uh, not even one, there is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. See, God has to seek us, god has to come for us but sometimes we feel so dissatisfied with our christian life only to drop back into it again and keep maintaining the the round and round of christianity and saying god i can't do this anymore i must see the glory of god the stirring then within is done by the holy spirit we might not recognize it for what it is but God will arouse us because it's for all of us to desire to see the very glory of God. I want to share with you something of a personal testimony uh, that um, just puts it into perspective uh, for me in my life and and what the whole thing is now. We don't base our, our doctrine on our testimony. We base our doctrine on what the Word of God says. But testimony is an encouragement sometimes, or it makes it clear. I have to take you back about 40 years uh, to to share this story with you, but be, be patient as I share it with you. Daphne and I were a young married couple in those days, probably in our late 20s. We had two small children, two boys. Well, we only had four boys, so two of them had to be boys. Um, so one was a toddler and the other one was a a baby in arms I'm taking you back to 1980 now Uh, I was a teacher at the time in a secondary school and Daphne was busy being a housewife and doing whatever she can to you know support the home and all those different things we attended church and we played our part in church we did the ministries that we were suited for but spiritually we were going nowhere. We were just going round and round and round with meeting after meeting. And just church was just, well, shouldn't say, boring maybe. Just, just a little bit humdrum. Now, I have a brother who is seven years older than me. And uh, that brother was a pastor. And he was making some discoveries and moving forward in the whole area of deliverance ministry and God impressed on him this particular day that he should visit our home, because the Holy Spirit told him there were things in our house that needed, well they shouldn't be there, they were a snare to us spiritually, and you know we all need to go through our homes from time to time, have a little look at what's crept in, and and deal with some stuff, because the enemy wants to bind us if he possibly can, and snare us, so he came and we welcomed him in and he went through the home and he found a number of objects and so we just put him in a black bag and we stuck him in the dustbin we didn't worry about what it cost or anything like that or its sentimental value we honored him and what god had told him to do so we removed them and then he left well that evening it was a little bit unsettled in our house and so we felt a, an impression to pray. We called a friend of ours, and so we had something of a, a prayer meeting. We spent probably a couple of hours in prayer. So it was quite late now. It's about maybe 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And the Holy Spirit invaded the room which we were praying in. That's the only word I can use. He gate crashed in. We wanted him to, we didn't expect him to, but he came. You know when you read it was like a a mighty rushing wind around the house and the fire of God just came into the place. That was our experience that night all sort of strange things happened to me, looking back now what I see is that I was delivered of evil spirits, I see that now, I knew nothing about that at the time, didn't, didn't understand about those sorts of things, but God came and he came with fire to deal with me, no one prayed over me, no one suggested I, I lose these spirits or whatever it was, it was the Holy Spirit with this fire came and delivered me. I would say to you that night our lives Daphne and our lives they were changed forever we were baptized in fire I was quite happy being a school teacher and you know plodding on from life and having kids and and doing all those things but God said oh no no that's not really what it's all about There are blessings along the way but listen I've got work i I want to come and invade your life And so he came he came real and close into us we found ourselves after that moment praying all the time we we just we prayed all day Uh, just it was just talking to god constantly uh, at that time we were conscious of sin so conscious of sin, even a word of exaggeration, we were conscious of it it 's as though God had come so close that that any foot in the wrong direction, any wrong word. I remember as a school teacher at the time I, I had a, a briefcase, and uh, i 'd put all the work I had to take home for marking. And I would look to see if there were any school pencils in there, because I didn't want to steal the school pencil. And I took it out of my bag. I just remember, I thought, this is going a bit far. But you see, when you come into the presence of God, things are heightened. And so these things were happening. God turned our lives totally upside down. Nothing was ever the same again. We were completely different people to the people that we were before we both wanted then from that minute to just dedicate our lives to god there was no room for anything else within 12 months of that we were pastoring a very small fellowship in our own town i mean see god wants to come and baptize us with fire not tinker around the outsides of our lives a little bit but completely transform us just like he transformed Isaiah just as he transformed the 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 disciples in that upper room that day uh, just as he wants to transform human lives remember when he met Paul on the road to to Damascus Paul was going to get Christians and throw them into prison until the fire of God came. It came like a flash of lightning out of the sky, and it confronted Paul on the horse, knocked him off the horse, made him blind, and transformed his life. He was never the same again. God wants to do that for every one of his children. We all, it says, we all, with faces unveiled in the presence of of god that's what god wants for us that is the baptism of fire that he wants to bring into our lives like i say this experience changed our lives forever it has been the very foundation of our life's work from that minute on when you meet god when you're confronted with the power and the glory of god you will never ever ever be the same. God's desire for each of us is to enter into the depths of God, the depths of his experience, the depths of his understanding. This experience of the holiness and the power of God is open to all. Now you might say, mm, I don't know if I want everything turned upside down. Mm, i'm happy with my christian life i don't really know if i really want this to happen well if you don't god won't do it he won't do it but he reads the inner heart and he knows if secretly you really do then he really will you will become dissatisfied with what you have and only satisfied with what god does when he baptizes you with fire we need to be taken into the very depths of God's heart. The nation will only be saved by his church having a power encounter with God. I believe that with all my heart. The church has a name for it. It's called revival. Being revived being made alive again because God comes with his fire and he confronts his people and he causes them to catch fire in front of him and they are revived by his power.
0: Amen. God bless you all. You've been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching and that you have gained a new passion now for the Holy Spirit. If you would like to partner with Arise Ministry, you can do so by going onto our website at ariseministry.org.uk where you can make a secure online donation to support us. Arise Ministry, a living legacy.